The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the fourth Doctor story, The Invasion of Time. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Folks, be sure to follow The Secrets of Doctor Who in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. Uh, your favorite podcast app will have us, and on the StarQuest YouTube channel, where you should also hit the bell to get notifications. Stick around to the end of the episode. We've got more of your great feedback that we want to share with you, and uh, tell you about another show on the network you're sure to enjoy, The Secrets of Star Wars. There's all kinds of new Star Wars content coming, and we're talking all about all of it. So check it out wherever fine podcasts are found, or at sqpn.com slash Wars. But this time we're talking about the this serial, this uh, six-part serial featuring the fourth Doctor called The Invasion of Time. And just as uh, to, um, to set it in the fourth Doctor's time, this is at the, the, the very last story of the fourth season of the seventh Doctor's time. I get that right, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, of Maybe. the fourth Doctor's time, not seventh, fourth Doctor's. It's the, it's, it's the, it's the, uh, uh, and the next one will be uh, Horror at Fang Rock, which we've already talked about before. So uh, this is, um, and we'll talk about all the other things that this is in, important about this serial. But uh, before we get to that, Jimmy, could you give us a recap of what happens? The fourth doctor has just had a meeting with some mysterious aliens and companion Leela is concerned. The doctor takes them to Gallifrey, where he acts very erratically and asserts his prerogatives to become the president of the Time Lords, his election being something that happened the last time he was on Gallifrey in the fourth doctor story, The Deadly Assassin. Upon his installation as president, things become clearer. It turns out the doctor has been conspiring with aliens, a group known as the Vardens, to take over Gallifrey, only it's also apparent this is part of some larger plan on his part. The Vardens partially materialize as big aluminum sheets uh, as part of their takeover, but the Doctor needs them to fully materialize so he can trace their homeworld and shut them out. The Doctor thus continues to help them, even creating a hole in the force field that surrounds the planet, and after he does, the Vardens materialize fully and just appear to be humans. Canine then traces their homeworld and they get kicked off the planet. The Doctor thinks he's won, but then the Centaurans show up. It turns out that the Vardens were just a group of people they were using to get a hole created in the force field around Gallifrey. But they need the hole to be bigger to get their invasion fleet to come through so they can then take control of all of time. The Doctor has the TARDIS patched into the defense system to keep them out. The Centaurans come aboard the TARDIS and we go deeper into it seeing areas we've never seen before, all of which look really shabby. <laughs> the Centaurans are seeking artifacts that the president of the Time Lords is supposed to have, including the Sash of Rassilon, the Rod of Rassilon, and especially the Great Key of Rassilon. 
The doctor uses the great key to build a dematerialization gun, and he uses that to destroy the Suntaran leader. Only he loses his memory of all these events because Rassilon wisely programmed these artifacts so that he would do so. In the end, Leela stays on Gallifrey to pursue a romance. She suddenly developed with a Gallifreyan guard named Andred, and Canine stays to take care of Leela, but the doctor is okay, and we see him flying off in the TARDIS with a box with the label Canine Mark II. The end. I have many questions. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Like, what was what were you saying? The next story is Horror of Fang Rock? Because that's yeah. a Leela story, and this is Leela's last episode. I was... I was just going to say that the next story is the beginning of the key to time season. Yeah. Oh, get to right, meet right, right. One. The, the Ryboss operation. Right, right, yep. right. That's, that's what it is. Uh, I, I got these things out of order. Yes. Uh, the, and we haven't actually um, discussed the previous episode where he was elected president of, of Gallifrey so, uh, and of the Time Lords. So, yeah, I, I, got, I got I was trying to keep everything straight. It's very timey-wimey. And uh, so uh-huh. I was trying to keep, keep everything straight. This is the problem with the fourth doctor is we're doing him in two different runs, yep. like this beginning of his run and the middle of his run, because there's so much of the fourth doctor. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I got a little confused there. So, well, that was the thing is, so he th- there's a story that we haven't talked about where he gets elected. Uh, and that was mm-hmm. I was wondering, like, wh- why does like he just kind of shows up and says, all right, I'm the president of Gallifrey. And that was kind of confusing to me watching mm-hmm. this out of order. But uh, so this happened in a previous story. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where he so, goes into the matrix for the first time and it's, it's a, it's a holodeck and yeah, I yep. just totally love matrix stories. <laughs> <laughs> at, le- at least this one, the matrix is only just the ring, the, the crown he puts on his head. It's, we don't actually see the inside of the matrix this time. Yeah. You know, do, do we know if the movie, the matrix pulled, like it, it was, it was an homage or something to Doctor Who or, I mean, have you ever heard? Because it just seems kind of coincidental otherwise that they have this imaginary world uh, that's like a holodeck. They, they the might have taken some influence off of it. I don't know if anything has ever been said that they've gone off of the, you know, the idea of the Matrix and Doctor Who is what they pulled it from. I mean, obviously the concepts are very similar. Yeah. Not exactly, yeah. but very similar. Okay. So the doctor starts off by making a a deal with the coneheads. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we only yeah. see them from behind, and we see these like cone, conical, I don't know, seats that they're in. Yeah, yeah so something strange. Um, and, and we kind of get get dropped into it. Like, wh- uh, what's going on? This is very you know very uh, cryptic and secret, and we don't know why the doctor's doing this. And he's even ordered like you know canine to prevent Leela from leaving the TARDIS or. Uh, even looking through the scanner at what's going on outside the TARDIS. And he's very, he does this throughout this story where he's constantly trying to get rid of Leela. Well, yeah, he's also, he's also doing this in the beginning. He's doing this ping pong acting where he's zooming between being reasonable and being arrogant and, and cryptic. And he's bouncing back and forth between these two things. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll go from, from zero to shouting in one second. And yep. I find this annoying. Um, I, I underst- I don't, I wouldn't mind it if he was a little bit cryptic, a little bit this way, but he's so over the top 
in his acting right. that I find it annoying. Fortunately, that starts to moderate after episode two. Once he's once the Vardens have partially materialized and he starts confiding in Barusa what's really going on, it his behavior becomes more acceptable. Yeah, yeah. And they basically they basically explain it that he was you know the the Rusen uh, the uh, they can uh, basically read his mind they can re- they can they have tele- tele- telepathic powers and so on and so he's fighting against them and he's able to fight against them but. He, um, it putting a strain on him, and that's why he's acting as, and also to put on the show for them, you know. Oh, yeah, right. he's taking power and control and telling people where to go and everything. Yeah, he, he does have in his good moments, you've got some Marx Brothers like humor from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that, but he's overall, he's, he's just too erratic in this opening, in the opening two parters of the six parts. This also, as a six-parter, has has some of the six-part six-parter syndrome. There's a mm-hmm. lot of just walking through places <laughs> and not much happening to advance the plot. The only six-parter that that really avoids that is Evil of the Daleks, which was mm-hmm. the Patrick Troughton Second Doctor story that was meant to be the finale of the Daleks. And part of what it keeps Part of what keeps it interesting is it's like set in three different locations. So we spend two diff- two parts in one location, two parts in another location, two parts in a third location. So it's kind of like a th- it's kind of like three two part stories. Mm-hmm. And this has something like that when the when the Santarans suddenly show up because they could have just stopped the plot at the defeat of the Vardens. And it would have been a complete story. But then all of a sudden, now the Santarans are here and we've got to deal with them. And it becomes much more interesting. Yeah. And that was a script suggestion by Robert Holmes, who didn't want to write this story. This was a last-minute replacement. For the end of the season, There were they were going to do a story on the Doctor's home planet. And originally, the one that got proposed was way too ambitious and they would have never been able to afford it. So they wrote this as a quick last-minute fill-in. And Robert Holmes had just left the series for the time being. He didn't want to write this thing, but he suggested hold back the Centaurans until episodes five and six. Mm-hmm. And those yeah. are the two most interesting episodes. Yeah, it, it really felt to me like this was a four-parter with a two-parter tacked on the end. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and that's because of the Centaurans coming in. Because like you said, it, I mean, there was a com- conclusion. There was very clear, we're done. Doctor saved the day again. Gallifrey is, is saved again. Oh, wait, maybe not. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it, as a device to make it a six-parter, it's a, it's a fairly successful one. And the Santarans are, you know, interesting in themselves as one of the major enemies. Although at this point, this is only, I think, their third appearance in Doctor Who. Uh, and they don't show up again until the sixth Doctor's time, I, I'm pretty sure. In the two doctors, mm-hmm. uh, so they uh, and they show up a lot, of course, in New Who. So uh, it, it's kind of interesting to to see them here in this. Uh, one of the things that's also interesting is we get a lot of Gallifrey. We have a lot of Gallifreyan Time Lord society. We have a, a Chancellor in Barusa. We have a Castellan, uh, K- a Kellner, 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 Kellner. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, we have the head of the guards, which is Andred. 
and uh, and Rodan, who is a, a female time lady, who we we have not seen many of those at this point uh, till till now, and uh, in fact, the first since Susan uh, in mm-hmm. the first Doctor's time. So uh, we get a lot of Time Lord stuff. What is that? What is the structure of Time Lord society? We like they mention um, cardinals, a council, a president. It well, so it's not a hundred percent clear, but they have a high council which has a president, and then there are ordinary time lords, and then there's a lot of people who are not time lords. In order to be a time lord, you have to graduate from the academy, which the doctor himself did with fifty one percent on the second attempt. <laughs> um, of course, and 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 then you have people who are who are who are not members of time lord society but still live on gallifrey out in out in the boonies yeah. and and those people here are depicted as kind of former time lords they're sort of dropout space hippies who decided to get back to nature hmm. but most people have like never left the citadel which we don't actually see in this we later we see it in new who where it's a big spherical city in, right. under glass um but most Time Lords have, like, never even left that. So Rodan, for example, has never been out of the Citadel before. Um, but there are these people who live outside who are not Time Lords, who are, like, back to the landers. And they're really sort of the original people that uh, they're the original Gallifreyans that Time Lords developed out of. And they're sometimes called the Sheboygan. And... and <laughs> And that term gets used way down the line in reference to like Tecteyun when Chris Chibnall mm-hmm. gets his hands on the show. Yeah. And there's implications in New Who that the Doctor himself comes from this outsider society because, you know, we we see, we, we recently saw in a 12th Doctor story how he was living on a sort of farm as a kid with right. a, like a primitive barn. And in that barn also showed up in the uh, the War Doctor story. Uh, as a place that he's familiar with, so so there's the implication that the doctor himself come you know comes from this outsider community, right? You know? And that's mm-hmm. and that's different than how they portrayed the doctor's upbringing in the novels during the 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 hiatus time, because there's a story Lung Barrel that tells about the doctor's mm-hmm. ancestral home, and it's it's very very different. It's much more like a Victorian uh, mansion than it is a, a mm. farm. Right. Right. Uh, and then there's this this uh, relationship between the Chancellor Barusa and the Doctor. I assume that all, all of that began with the Deadly Assassin story. Yeah, we haven't seen yet. Yeah, okay. Barusa is one of the Doctor's former teachers from the Academy. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, I, yeah, I gather <laughs> he was he was a poor student, which is not surprising. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the one of the other big questions I start with is. Why did the doctor make this deal with the Vardens? Like, why didn't he just tell them go pound sand? <laughs> yeah, they don't really give us a clear answer on that. Um, but I think after part four, they just sort of, I mean, you can always say, well, the doctor knew that there was a ruse going on here and he needed to go along with it in order to get it sorted out. But he didn't know about the Suntarans part. Yeah, I, I mean, because they he they wouldn't be able to invade if he didn't bring the whatever the shield thingy down. So if you know what I mean, it's, it's it just seems like well maybe don't 
you don't make the deal, you don't have to worry about them at all. But, uh, I, you know, it's a story, I guess. But Yeah, I think they, they, they had an explanation, but it went by kind of fast for why the doctor mm-hmm. needed to cooperate. Okay. Um, and we have, so when he becomes president, there's this ceremony in the Panopticon, which is this basically kind of a throne room sort of thing. And he's invested with the, the sash and the, the sash and the, the rod. And, and the he's rod. told his quest is to seek the great key. What is your hmm. quest? I seek the Holy Grail. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but he gets this circlet, this crown that gives him access to the matrix. And when he puts it on, he has this really bad reaction to it. Is is there a backstory on why he has this terrible thing happen? Well, no, this is unclear. Um, okay. It's for it's to give us an end of episode one cliffhanger. Okay. And and that's its real function in the story. They then portray it as is it the Matrix rejecting him? Well, it seems not. They then have a squabble at the beginning of episode two mm-hmm. about has he is he is he the president or not? Is is he linked to the Matrix? And apparently he is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the the way I mean, basically, I think you almost have to headcanon what what's going on there. And I just thought it was, you know, the matrix realized that this was all, everything that was going on. Right. And that's why it did it. But again, that's headcanon. There's nothing in the story that says, yeah, this is why that happened. And, and then afterward, he, he he's very intent on getting Leela thrown out of the Citadel because she endangers them all. And then he also says that, you know, uh, let's round after the, you know, he lets the Vardens invade round up all the most loyal, Time Lords who are most likely to endanger the invasion and cast them out of the Citadel. When in reality, what he's doing is he's protecting everybody, <laughs> the right. good guys, mm-hmm. and and getting them out of the way of of, of whatever's going to happen next. Uh, Which, of course, Leela doesn't understand, so she's resisting it the whole time, getting cast out until she finally does get put out, let out right. by Andred. Yeah, Leela under Leela isn't understanding it and is resisting it up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. And then magically, she becomes convinced that the uh, just turns on a dime, and is like, "Oh, okay, so I I can trust the doctor. This is all part of some plan. I should go along with this." But up to that point, she's just been on the complete other side of it. Yeah, right. And and even like at one point where Andred, the guard, is like, "Just surrender," because that's the re or no Rodin, I think was saying it. Just surrender because it's the reasonable thing to do. And Leela's like. No, <laughs> I'm not surrendering. <laughs> I don't care if it's reasonable. You don't surrender. Uh, she's she's all you know. She's being Leela, which is which is good. Um. So so Leela and Rodin end up outside the Citadel, and wrote, like you said, Rodin has never in a rock been quarry. outside. <laughs> yes, in one of those. Oh, no, I thought this was. I thought this was a sand pit. <laughs> <laughs> one of those ubiquitous BBC rock quarries, and uh, where they encounter the uh, the outsiders, the the primitive you know, uh, society and rallies them to fight for uh, Gallifrey, which is pretty good with the uh, uh, bows and arrows and things. And uh, even like Leela even has to uh, teach others how to use them for more than just hunting. And then we have Andred, the, 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 the guard who is a loyalist and who's rallying lo- the loyalists to plot to kill the doctor because they see he's the, think he's a traitor. So we have this whole uh, fun, like, uh, they're coming to get him, but they shouldn't be. They're undermining mm-hmm. the plans. Uh, so there's we we have I think we have a cliffhanger on that one where the uh, the coup fails after Andred is is stunned by K nine 
K9 plays a really big role in this one. Like he's key to everything. Uh, and in fact, at one point, the doctor puts the circlet, the, uh, the matrix crown on him because what do you say? The Vardans can telepathically enter the matrix. And so K9 is the only one who can go in there without being seen. I think that's what he says. Because he doesn't have a mind. Yeah. He's just a computer. Yeah, right. Just, this, he just jacked him into the internet is all he did. Okay. Uh, and, and that becomes key to him finding the Vardan planet so they can block them from coming through, I, I guess is the, was the idea. Um, then he, the doctor does reveal to Android what's going on after he stops him from killing him. Andrew, when they're talking about the Matrix, I, I love this line. Android says, but you have access to the greatest source of knowledge in the universe. And the doctor says, well, I do talk to myself sometimes, yes. the humility of the of the doctor and meanwhile the castellan kellner is gone full collaborator and is uh Mm -hmm. turned to turn time and he's and it's funny because he's that one of those inept collaborators who is always on the verge of being killed by whether it's the vardens or the santarans uh for being uh you know unable to do the things that they're demanding he does but then he finds a way to weasel his his way forward in this relationship. Yeah. But uh by the way he should he should look familiar cuz uh played by Milton Johns who was in Android Invasion as Guy Crayford the the astronaut who got captured by the androids. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. And then he was also an enemy of the world, Theodore Benick, which I couldn't remember his role, but mm. Yeah, and those that was those were earlier he's, on. Those He's he specializes in playing kind of unctuous slimy guys. <laughs> yep. Typecast. <laughs> uh, so then the, the Suntarans show up. They wipe out the Vardens, and they show up and kind of take over the invasion. And, like, at one point, the Doctor thinks they've won. Like, it, But it turns out the Suntarans are right behind him, like you mentioned, uh, after the Vardens are gone. And um, I kept wondering throughout this, is Barusa a good guy or a bad guy? Because there kept me in these instances where it seemed like he was opposing the doctor. In this story, Barusa is a good guy, but he is played as in a way to keep us guessing about mm-hmm. that fact. He's kind of mm-hmm. like Skinner in the early episodes, in the early seasons of the X-Files. He, right. he, he is going to turn out to be on the doctor's side in this story, but they don't want to make that obvious. Right. Okay. Okay. I do like their, <laughs> their, How, their however, conflict. in yeah. a later story, he goes he goes full dark side. Oh, oh yeah. wow! Now, different. I, I saw that this is a different actor from the previous uh, Deadly Assassin episode. Uh, will this actor continue on? Because I liked him in this. Uh, I, I don't believe so. I think next time. No. I think each time we see Bruce, uh, he's regenerated. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, so. The Sontarans, I was a little unclear on this, but it went, uh, at, around the fourth, you know, the end of the fourth episode, I think, or beginning of the mm-hmm. fifth, the Sontarans try to send the, the TARDIS into a black star, which I, I guess is a black hole. Uh, but the Doctor stabilizes it, which means it can't go anywhere. And like he kind of removes a circuit. And then the Sontarans board the, the, the ship. They board mm-hmm. the TARDIS uh, to hunt him down. And then we've got all of the, you mentioned we have a lot of this running through quarters and in fact running through the same quarters and rooms over and over again which they make a thing out of like the doctor's yep. lost and he's going in circles 
Um, well, and it's it the, the inside of his TARDIS looks like a bunch of old warehouses <laughs> and corridors and a lot yeah. of it was like fil- that. A lot of it was filmed in a hospital. Yeah, uh, in, yeah. in old abandoned hospitals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we do see the pool uh, several yes. times. There's, there's a nice big pool room. Um, we see, yeah, we see probably see more of the ship in this than we have in any other oh, yeah. story. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and as a kid, I loved this. I mean, I know yep. I could tell that you know the sets aren't really great, but still, just the concept of seeing all these areas of the TARDIS that we've never seen before—that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They should have they should have done more of that in New Who, frankly. But yeah, well, and we we get the you know the, the directions about you you take a left and then a right and another left and go up two stairs and this way and that way. You know the confusing directions, and Leela's like, "I'll just find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry, I'll find it." And then she le- she can't find it. She she's supposed to yep. take them somewhere within the. She's supposed to take Barusa and others somewhere within the TARDIS. She ends up not finding it and leaving them in a bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. The VIP suite. So the TARDIS has a, a Lord President suite, apparently. <laughs> and uh, there's a, there's a whole nother. Uh, oh, and it's got a giant carnivorous plant. Yeah. In it, yeah. which which eats one of the uh, Santarans temporarily, temporarily, and it's also got an art museum, which is also its ancillary power station. Yeah, right. The art, like when you turn something off, uh, there's a button on the Venus de Milo that turn, like it makes it all dematerialize, it, like all disappears, and then dematerialize, or it's a hologram or something, you know, yeah. and and of course the the ancillary power station is literally just a fuse box. <laughs> yes, it's, that you just unplug the fuse, just pull the fuse out. <laughs> Uh, and and that that turns off the something so that they can scan that sometimes can scan for life forms basically. The, the doctor put up some kind of uh, what they call it, biometric shield or something like that where it yeah. confused the scanner so they couldn't scan for humanoid life. Yeah, I like the scene where the 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 he leads the. Suntaran into the carnivorous plant where, where it grabs him and only his, his arm is sticking out and as the doctor walks by he shakes the hand <laughs> yeah. uh, but it doesn't eat him because Suntarans are virtually indestructible except for the port on the back of their neck mm-hmm. which Leela is able to uh, hit with a, with a thrown knife with the accuracy Yep. Um, yeah the doctor is definitely doesn't have the no killing ethic turned on this episode because he, he tells Leela how to kill a, a Suntaran, which she then immediately does, and he immediately mm-hmm. approves. And then right, he yeah. he himself builds the dematerialization gun that he uses on um, on on the Suntaran leader store at the end of the story. Yep. Yeah. The, the body count in this one is high. A lot of guards get killed. A lot of other Galfreans get killed in this. I mean, there's yeah. a high body count in this story. But because it's all it's all stasers and so forth with a little bit of bows and arrows mixed in, it's not bloody at all. It's just up. Oh, no, this actor yeah. fell over. Right. Even the bows and arrows aren't bloody. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and well, that's the thing. Is, so the doctor has he hypnotizes Rodin, the uh, the time lady, to build a this DMAT gun, which is based on knowledge the canine got out of the Matrix and. The great key is the only way of activating it, and Barusa is very is like aghast. Like this with this weapon, you could conquer the universe, <laughs> hey, dude. It's a gun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, so it's it, it. All it is is a gun, and it'll dematerialize something. But um, it's I not don't a know. WMD. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it was uh, that felt a little over the top, but uh, a little. So yeah, yeah. Basically, it's a Star Trek phaser set to kill. Is yeah, what it is. Exactly. Um. So Store, the the Sontaran leader, is he's willing at the end when he sees he's going to lose, he's willing to destroy the Time Lords, the Gallifrey, and the entire galaxy if he's not able to control the power of the Time Lords, and that's sort of the justification for the Doctor shooting Store with the DMAT gun, uh, you know, so it, it, it straight up killing uh, somebody. And for some reason, that shooting store makes the gun disappear and leaves mm-hmm. the great key behind. Um, yeah, because apparently Rassilon... So we're given this backstory of Rassilon, the orig- one of the original leaders of the Time Lord people, had these artifacts and he wanted to create a system of checks and balances. And so he, he gave the president, um, the sash and the, um, and the rod and the crown to the plugs him into the matrix to wear, but he didn't give him the great key. And, and every president since then has had it as his quest to find the great key. And it's always been in the possession unbeknownst to the president of of his chancellor which is what barusa is and barusa was just using it as like a key to a drawer in his desk so it was hiding it was hiding in plain sight and and the idea was that this would keep a tyranny from developing on gallifrey since uh the president would not have ultimate power how that's how that really works you know it, uh, it isn't at all clear, but that's the idea anyway. But apparently Rassilon thought ahead and proposed or implemented procedures that if any person did build the DMAT gun and use it, that his memory would be wiped of what had happened mm-hmm. okay. as, a, as, an, as an additional failsafe. And this is consistent with other things that Rassilon has done. Rassilon uh, is key to the story, The Five Doctors, which is in Peter Mm -hmm. Davison's Fifth Doctor time. And in that story, Rassilon does something similar. He's got something. People are after a Rassilon artifact, and he's he's got it booby-trapped in a fail-safe kind of way. Yeah, and you mentioned the Doctor... At the end of this, the doctor is his, has his memory wiped. He doesn't remember anything that's happened from making the deal with the Vardans on, and so we, he sort of yep. resets to the to the, where he was at the beginning, which is interesting. Uh, it's 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 an interesting uh, writing uh, gambit because your main character doesn't remember the adventure, uh, which which is kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. And then at the end, we have. A, you know, a couple of developments, which is that Leela suddenly has decided that she's in love with Andred, the the Time Lord guard, and that she's staying behind. She's not going with the Doctor, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. I guess the um, the actress uh, Louise Jameson was had decided to leave the show at this point. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it it hadn't been clear if she was going to leave. And so it was a little bit last minute, and that's why her relationship with Andred is underdeveloped. Mm, so right. it kind of comes out of nowhere. She's just, oops, companion suddenly fell in love off screen, and now they're leaving. <laughs> right, right. Um, that's too bad. I liked Leela. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, she's kind of a fun counterpoint to the, like, as a primitive, more savage, mm-hmm. 
female oh, yeah. companion to the doctor's, you know, whatever the doctor is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Leela's great. I like, I mean, frankly, I like Leela better than Sarah Jane. Leela is much mm. more interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I like Sarah Jane, but yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, it would have been interesting to see her with, say, like Nissa, who's very different. It would have been an interesting mm-hmm. pairing, but uh, yeah. So, and then K9 stays with Leela, K9 Mark 1. Okay, can we. Mm-hmm. explain a little bit the variations on K9 because then the doctor pulls out a box in the console room labeled K9 Mark II. Yeah. So what's going on with K9? Well, okay, so the original K9 was not built by the doctor. The original K9 was built by Professor whatever his name was in the 51st century yep. or whenever. Yeah. And was given to the doctor. And then at, uh, at, when that canine stays on Gallifrey, the doctor builds a new canine. And, mm-hmm. and the doctor has built like three different, or not built three different, but had three different canines over the course of time. Yep. Okay. I, 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 this is something I remember from years ago. I forgot to look it up, but I believe the reason why they made this change is because they actually rebuilt the canine. Mm-hmm. unit for filming they were having trouble with the canine mark one because the lights and the cameras and everything would actually interfere with the radial control you know it's a remote control basically right. car and they were having trouble with that and so they completely rebuilt the unit and that this was their excuse on screen why next season that the dog changes it looks different yeah yeah and there was was there i, I see an end uh a reference in the tardis wiki the to an Australian TV series uh, that features oh, yeah. K9? K9 later gets spun off in his own series. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, it, it, but it was only in Australia. That's interesting. Um, well, and then there was, well, then there was K9 and Company was an attempt at that, and that was just a pilot that didn't go anywhere, a Christmas pilot that didn't go anywhere. Uh, uh, but that was where that, Sarah, that Jane Sarah Jane ended up with it. Yeah. Oh, okay. But that's how, Sarah, that's how Sarah Jane ended up with K9, who was then in... Uh, school school reunion with episode. the tenth doctor, yeah, yeah. And I believe that's technically Canine Mark Three, if I remember. Oh, that's not be. Mark Two. That's Mark Three. So there's like a third Canine yeah. there, and then that sounds. And right. then there's a cartoon or kind of a kids show where there's a, a future Canine that floats and things like that. So right, CGI the, animated. Yeah, yep. there's a Mark One, Mark Two, Three, Four, Five, the tenth Doctors, Irving Braxtells. I don't know who that is, and uh, then. A couple others that are mentioned, and probably in Big Finish and in you know uh, secondary media and that sort of stuff. So uh, can, can, there's a lot of canine around. There are also. It's complicated by the fact that the robot regenerates. <laughs> yep. Right. Of course he does. Time Lord companion. Uh, hmm. So I think so. That brings us to the end of the story. Anything else that I missed that you want to? Would you like to bring up and uh, to discuss, Father Corey? I, I get a kick out of they were very on the nose with the the name of the the Santaran strike force. It was the SSSS. Yeah, <laughs> yes. double the SS. Um, <laughs> I like that at one point um, when uh, uh, Rodon is working on on the TARDIS, ask for a Finkelgruber. Yeah, I was going to comment on that. <laughs> what's the, and, what's and that? The doctor gives her a Finkelgruber. Yeah, whatever the Finkelgruber is, it was a. a, a tool that she needed um <laughs> but it's just you gotta love they had to have you know they had some fun obviously with the script in this one you know yeah. it was they, the, the humor was good um the the at the time of 
time of this this story, the modern TARDIS was the 706, the Type 706. So the TARDIS is really, really old as a Type 40. Right. right. Um, they, they mentioned how old it is. It's an obsolete, obsolete version. Yeah. It, it hasn't been used in centuries, they said. So. And then I, I kind of laugh, you know, the Castellan was supposedly not an engineer, but then he comes up with an engineering solution to whatever <laughs> the Suntarans wanted. So, right. And that's all I got. Jimmy? Oh, there's nothing more useless than a lock with a voice imprint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I want to program my Echo or my uh, my HomePod to be able to respond to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Use that to unlock your door. <laughs> yeah. Only, only Doctor Who fans, true fans, could can get into my house. Also, um, at one point, the doctor is whistling the Colonel Bogey March. Yep. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, there were little things, but we've covered the substance. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The Colonel, the Colonel Bogey March is like, he might have heard it in uh, Bridge of, I think it was Bridge of the River Kwai or. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or other movies like that. Da 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 well, uh, so I mentioned that we would have some feedback, and we've got some feedback here from our YouTube channel, Arvis Conti, uh, commenting on our episode 278 on the Big Finish story with the Ninth Doctor, Sphere of Freedom. And Arvis Conti says, thanks for covering more Big Finish productions. I gravitated towards listening to more Big Finish Doctor Who after the first season with the 13th Doctor and have really enjoyed what I've been listening to. You're welcome. Good. Yeah, it's... Uh, as yeah. As we're wrapping up the, a lot of the TV doctors, we're kind of turning more towards some Big Finish stuff to, to have because there's tons of good big, big Finish stories to talk about. And so we'll be we'll be doing more of those. And, uh, you know, I, I keep saying keep an eye on the bigfinish.com website because they're constantly having sales yes. on, on this stuff. And so, you know, uh, if, if you look at the main run uh, stories the, that feature the, the doctors themselves, especially the, the, the actors who were the doctor on TV uh, and you see those on sale, pick them up. Cause we're probably eventually going to be talking about them. Yep. Uh, and uh, so it's usually about half off. I recently picked up the, the six, a bunch of the six doctor stories and they were half off, you know, like $140 worth of stories for, for 70 bucks. So, right. And that's a lot of stories. It. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is. It's cheap 10, as- or, 10 or 15 stories or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, they've, they've had $2 stories and $4 stories and that sort of thing. So, uh, definitely worthwhile to to pick those up. All right. Uh, so I think that about does it for our discussion. We would like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Eric T., Jamie J., Don G., Jordan S., and Maximilian S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edited this episode for us. So that's it from us. We would love to hear what you think of The Fourth Doctor Story, The Invasion of Time. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com, at the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, send an email to Who at sqpn.com, or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord and join the Secrets of Doctor Who channel. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the first Doctor story, The Chase. Until then, (laughs) Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Don. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. 
thank you, but there is nothing you can do to prevent the catharsis of spurious morality. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, there's no point in further discussion. The discussion is for the wise or the helpless, and I am neither. And I'll miss you too, Savage. <laughs>